want to look at the mission of the church. We've been talking about what is the church since the first Sunday in January and looking at different scriptures of how it started and Jesus starting the church and purpose of the church. And tonight we'll look at the mission of the church. What do we do? What's, what's our mission? And so we want to look at the word church again, once again, make sure we understand what is the church. The church is an assembly, like a group of people that is assembled here tonight. It's a gathering, a gathering of people like here tonight. It's a community of faithful believers in Christ of whom he, Jesus, is the head. And so faithful believers, meaning people that are faithfully believing and committed to Jesus, that are gathering in a community as we are here tonight, and knowing that Jesus is the head of us, our community. Uh, The called out ones from the world. We've been called out of the world and called into the kingdom of God. So as a church, we're called out of and we're called into, called out of the world. We still live in the world, but as Christians, we're not of the world. We just don't do what the world does, do we? I mean, as Christians, we don't talk like the world. You know how the world talks, don't you? Gary was talking about Mary over there in uh, Georgia for six months now doing this job training. Around around 3,000 people, I think, she said. She's got other people there, 3,000 there, also in the same job training that she's in. And said the language that they use is just unbelievable. <laughs> horrible and the the things they do at night is also unbelievable and they ask her well let's come with us and of course she says no I don't do that I don't live like that talk like that do those kind of things and I'm not going and so that that's what the world does and so we as Christians we just don't live like that we don't do those kind of things act those kind of ways go those kind of places wherever that is that the world goes because we've been called out of that and we've been called into the kingdom of God that's the church we're the body of Christ uh, we're his eyes, and we're his ears, and we're his mouth, and we're his hands and his feet. And so wherever we go, wherever we walk, we're we're the body of Christ. Whatever our hands are doing are, are the body of Christ, and our eyes are seeing and so on. We become his body, so we're taking him out in the world in which we live. Church is those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We then become the church. In the Bible, the the church is never mentioned as a building. They didn't even meet in buildings for hundreds of years. They met in people's homes or uh, wherever they could, out, out in the barn or, or somewhere, wherever they could get together as a group like this and just meet. And uh, they didn't have buildings like we do today at all. And so the, the word church is never mentioned as a building or a place in the Bible. It's always this right here as the church is mentioned. So... What is the mission of this assembly, this gathering, this community of believers, these called out ones, the body of Christ, those filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let's take a look at it and see. Uh, We had a good song leading into this, bringing in the sheaves and the harvest, and so here we go with it. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, a woman, a person reaps what he sows. So he's talking about planting and harvesting. And so let's look at a few words here to make sure we understand what these words mean. First of all, deceived. We don't need to be deceived. That is, we don't need to be misled or mistaken or hold a wrong view. Because sometimes people may think, well, God can be deceived, uh, mocked. Sometimes we can feel like we've been misled and mistaken to think and hold on to a wrong view that God can be mocked. Because we see it and hear it all the time, don't we? I mean, listen to people out in the world in which we live. 
People are out there mocking God, making fun of Him, saying we don't need Him, and saying who is God, and all those kind of things you hear so many times about God. And so they've been deceived. A lot of people are deceived that God can be mocked, but the Bible says no, He can't. So don't be misled, don't be mistaken, don't hold a wrong view that God could be mocked. Because what does it mean? God cannot be mocked. The word mocked means ridiculed. Don't be deceived that God can be ridiculed and it's okay. We see that happen in which we live, the world in which we live. Don't be deceived and think it's okay that God can be sneered at. If you sneer at somebody, what are you doing? Can anybody can anybody sneer tonight? Do we see? Are you sneering? Okay, you can't see Sherry's face, but she's sneering. That's that's what sneering looks like. Anybody else? Can anybody else sneer? No, nobody. Okay, so you don't know what it is, but maybe we should have Sherry to come up here and let's look at her, and you can see what it means. But it just means to sneer at somebody, just. You know, make a face at somebody, show contempt, uh, turn our nose up. Literally, in the Old Testament Hebrew, I looked it up, it literally means turn your nose up at something. You know, just, what, another word, what do we use for that sometimes? The word, turn, snubbed, snobbish, yeah, 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 snooty, you know, those kind of words, you know, we just... You know, we've said that to people maybe sometimes. Well, you just seem snobbish. You seem snooty. You seem you know, all those words you're using because it seemed like somebody just <laughs> just turned and walked away and got their nose up in there like, I don't care what you just said or did. I'm not worried about you. And, you know, something like people do this with God. And so they turn their nose up at him. They show contempt toward him. They sneer at him. They ridicule him and think it's no big deal. I'm getting by with it. I'm still alive, so nothing's happened. But he says, do not be deceived, do not be misled or mistaken or hold the wrong view that God cannot be mocked because he said, there's a payday someday. It may not happen tomorrow, sneering at God. It may not happen tomorrow, uh, this turning our nose up at God. It may not happen tomorrow, this showing contempt for God. But a payday is coming. Why? Because God cannot, we cannot outwit God. The seed we plant in the soil will be harvested later. And so he's making it very clear in that first verse. A man, a woman, a person reaps what he sows. If we're going to ridicule, sneer, show contempt, and turn our nose up at God, there's a harvest coming. There's a payday coming. We haven't got to that verse yet. But there is a payday coming. And so it's kind of like planting. So he's using the term about planting. Reaping, uh, sowing means planting. So let me ask you this. Some of you have had gardens or have gardens, and so you may know these answers. Uh, some of you may not, so let's make sure we understand this. If you have some corn seed, a bag of corn seed, and you go out there and plant those seed, those corn seed in the ground, here's a trivia question. What are you going to get out of them? Corn, okay? AJ knows. Bo didn't know. All right. Now, you got a bag of watermelon seeds, watermelon seeds. You go out and plant them in the ground. What are you going to get coming up? Watermelons, okay. So y'all are catching on, aren't you? You know, if you plant a certain kind of seed, that's what's going to come up. It won't change in the ground. It won't, you know, watermelon won't become corn, and corn won't become butter beans and all that sort of thing. Whatever seed you plant, that's what's coming up. It's just a general harvesting rule and planting. Well, same thing applies spiritually. Don't be deceived. Don't be misled and mistaken. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be ridiculed, made fun of, turn our nose up to because if we plant those kind of seeds, we're going to get that kind of harvest one day. Something's going to happen. Something's going to come back on us 
if we ridicule and make fun of, sneer at, and turn our nose up to God. Why? Because the one who sows to please the sinful nature, sinful nature means my flesh, doing what I want to do, living like I want to live, just being who I want to be, and not worrying about what God says, what God wants. I, I just turn my nose up to God and just, here's what I'm going to do, God. Well, the one who sows to please that, please that sinful nature, from that nature, from that sinful nature, doing what we want to do, is going to reap destruction. Those seeds are going to come up one day. Those awful, bad seeds we're planting, those sinful seeds we're planting, doing what we want to do, living like we want to live, they're going to come up someday. It can't be avoided. It can't, well, maybe they won't. Maybe I can just stir the ground up or put some straw over it, put a rock over it, and they won't come up or, you know, something, but they do. They come up. How do we know? Because the Bible says so. And if the Bible says something, then it has to be true. The one who sows to police the sinful nature, what we want, what we think, what we feel, from that nature is going to reap destruction. There's going to be a harvest someday. The one who sows to please the Spirit, though, the Holy Spirit, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to please the Holy Spirit. From the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is going to reap eternal life. Two totally different kinds of harvests. Harvest. Two totally different kind of sheaves that are coming in. We plant the bad seeds. Bad harvest is going to come up. We plant the good seeds. A good harvest is going to come up. That's just a general rule of planting, sowing, harvesting sheaves. Out in the ground and spiritually speaking. So whatever kind of seeds we plant, out of that we're going to get a harvest spiritually and physically. So if we continue to plant seeds that are indulging in the work of the sinful nature, we can be certain of a harvest, and it's called destruction. That's what he says here. We can be certain it's going to happen. No ifs, ands, or buts, no way around it. It's just going to happen. If we can plant, continue planting those seeds that are indulging the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want? Out of that, we're going to reap a harvest, and it's called eternal life, something good. So plant the bad seeds. Bad seeds are coming up. Plants good seeds, good seeds are coming up, and we have a harvest either way we go. Is it good or bad? So, verse 9, as a result of that, let's back up. The one who sows to please sinful nature, from that nature is going to reap destruction. The one who sows to please spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Therefore, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will, not maybe, not might, possibly could. He said we will. So when he goes back, when we go back to say what the church is, the church, this assembly, this gathering, this community of faithful believers, uh, the one who makes Christ the head, the body of Christ, those that are filled with the Holy Spirit, if we are out there planting the good seeds, not only in our life but in where we work, where we live, family, friends, we can't become weary in doing good. Do you ever get weary? I didn't put it on here, actually, as a definition. Um, but if you had to define weary, how would you define that? Tired and exhausted. <laughs> Wore out. <laughs> you know, you, you've just done all you can do. You, you're just tired and you're weary. You're wore out and you just want to sit down. And, I about had it. <laughs> I mean, I've gone the last mile I can go today. I've done all I can do. And, you know, those kind of terms. And when we've been out maybe doing something very physically in labor and, you know, we've had a, a hot day, not lately, but uh, this past summer. And, 
you know, we're thirsty and we come in and we're just tired and weary and all we want to do is just get a bath and go to bed. I mean, we're tired, we're wore out, or been at work all day or school or whatever it's been. You know, the same thing can happen spiritually. You know, we can go out there and we plant all these good seeds. We just plant seeds over here and plant seeds over here. We just plant them, plant them, plant them, working with this area and working with that area and work with these people, those people, these ministries, those ministries. And we're just planting seeds, planting seeds, planting seeds, and we don't see the harvest. And we think, this isn't working. <laughs> I mean, all I'm doing is planting seeds, but nothing's coming up. But what does the Bible say? Let us not become weary, tired, wore out, wore down, and doing good, planting those good seeds, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we need to understand proper time. Christians are not to become discouraged. That's what weary means also, to become discouraged, uh, wore out, wore down, tired, but also just discouraged. You know, I'm planting all these seeds. If harvest coming up, I don't know when. Doesn't seem to be going to happen. But God says, hold on, wait a minute, at the proper time. When is that? His time. Due season is another version of the Bible. Another version would say due season or due time or at a certain opportunity or simply a certain point in time determined not by us but by God. Um, if you ever feel like you need something to do on Wednesday night, come back there with us in the youth department. Mendelin, and sit around with 12 youth, a time anyway average, about 10 or 12, and we're back here in this room. You talk about interesting. That's the right. I was looking for the right word. It wasn't coming there, so she got it for me. Interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting room back there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting because... We find that when we first started this season, um, started looking at the Bible, learning the books of the Bible. We just took the first five books of the Bible, Old Testament, and said, let's memorize these. Let's start here, first five. That took several weeks to get the first five books of the Bible, Old Testament. I said, okay, let, let me just regroup here. Let's go to the New Testament. might be a little easier. Let's get the first five books of the New Testament. Let's memorize those. Two or three weeks later, we had had them, had them down pretty good, the first five books. So then when we start doing a Bible study, I'll say, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Where? So I finally had to teach them, you have a table of contents. Look at the table of contents in the front of your Bible. Find the book of Galatians. I said, I'll help you out. It's in the New Testament. Now find the book of Galatians and just see what page number it's on. Because we all have the same Bible. Everybody's got the same Bible back there. And uh, they'll find page number and somebody hollered out, 1292. And say, I'll turn to 1292. There you go, right there. I said, now, we're in chapter, we're going to do chapter 6 in Galatians. You turn to page 1292, you're in chapter 1. So where's chapter 6? Uh, I don't know. Start turning. That's chapter 1. Look for chapter 2. Where's chapter 2? Right here. The big the big number, 2. Okay. Where's chapter 3? Oh, yeah, I see this. I see how that's working now. 4, 5, there's 6. I found it. You think I'm kidding. <laughs> We're talking about 
13, 14, 15, 16-year-old boys and girls. Yeah. And so that's what makes it so interesting because we, we play things like a, a Jeopardy, Bible Jeopardy, they love. We started a new one last week, also added Bible Bingo in there. They love those games. We got through. We had one of the bingo questions was, you know, they got all these names on the card, you know, all these names, and you're calling out questions. They find the name is bingo. And so a question was this. Who is the only man in history to ever die and be resurrected? They're looking on the cards. Well, I can see them circling. One of them said, could you repeat the question? Who is the only man in history to ever die and be resurrected? Or come back to life. Maybe you don't understand resurrection. Come back to life. Who's the only man in history ever die? Come back to life. Looking at the card. Didn't circle anything. So when we got through the class, Dylan called him over there because he's calling out the questions. Called him by himself and said, did you not understand my question a while ago when I asked you about who's the only person to die and come back to life? He said, I didn't know who you were talking about. He said, it's Jesus. Oh, okay. I get it now. Let us not become weary <laughs> in doing good. For at the proper time, when's the proper time? Due season, a due time, an opportunity, a certain point in time, what? You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. <laughs> Deborah and Barbara teaching on Sunday night, Wednesday nights with children. They've got similar stories. Uh, they could share stories tonight, just like I have about the youth, and they could share it about the second graders and the fifth graders and, and all of those groups about, you know, the Bible or stories or whatever like that. And sometimes they probably feel like I do is that this was an interesting night, you know, it's the best word you can use about whatever happened went on in the class. And so at the proper time, though, we, we have a harvest. If we do not give up, it will happen. So he's saying there, Christians are not to give up, become weakened, or simply relax, or even become exhausted, or get discouraged, or lose motivation, because the harvest is coming. He says so. If God didn't say so, then we have an opportunity to get exhausted and tired and weary and all those kind of words, because we say, well, harvest may come, may not, I don't know, but God says so. He says it will. So that's why we don't lose motivation. That's why we don't give up. Harvest is coming in his time, due time, due season, point in time, an opportunity. Therefore, here we go. Finish up. Got all the introduction out of the way. Now we get to the sermon. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as an opportunity arises. Oh, this came up the other day. I had an opportunity to do this, this, and this. Or this came up yesterday. I had an opportunity to do this, this, or this. Or a couple of weeks ago, I was over here. This happened and had an opportunity to do this or that. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Notice the word all. All right, here's the definition. What does the word all mean? Everybody. Do good to all people, everybody, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially do good to the assembly. 
the gathering, the community of faithful believers, those who say Christ is the head of me, those who've been called out of the world into the kingdom, the body of Christ, especially do good to those um, that, that are in the kingdom. We want to make sure we're doing that first. So when the opportunity arises, churches administer to all people, any person, regardless of who they are and what they're going through. We don't play favorites. We don't say, well, not today, fella. No, not today, lady. We do it to all people, regardless of who they are. So while the church administers the needs of others, we're just to do good, but especially to the family of God, especially those called out ones, especially those part of the church, the assembly. And so followers of Christ are simply to have priority, just as in a home. Family comes first to the home and then the neighbors. You make sure if you're taking care of somebody, you're taking care of your family. Whoever's in your family, if you've got a certain amount of money, a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of uh, things that you have that you can do with your family, time even, we take care of family first. Now I've got a little extra time or money or resources or whatever. Now I took care of everything my family needs. Now I've got some left over to go over here and help them. Same with the church. We take care of us first, and then what is left over, we, okay, we can help y'all too, but we had to make sure we take care of us first. And that's what the Bible's saying. It's not anything unusual out of the ordinary because that's what God says. Do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And so we're just taking care of family. The church is the family. And so when their opportunity rises, church is just, just to do good. That, I mean, that's, you say, well, that, that's pretty clear, isn't it? <laughs> Just do good? I mean, should we have to have a scripture that says to do that? Well, I guess so. God put it in there. Oh, so what is good? Something that has positive moral qualities. It's moral. It's, it's in line with God's word. It's not something immoral. Well, let's go, uh, you know, uh, I heard the liquor store ran out of whiskey. Let's go buy a case of whiskey for the liquor store. Okay, if you, you know, if you feel like that's something you need to do. But, but uh, the positive moral qualities, doing something morally right according to what the Bible says. Uh, something that's beneficial to somebody. It's going to lift them up, encourage them, meet their needs, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be pleasant. It's going to be nice. And it's going to be honorable. So he's saying that's what good is and that's what we need to be doing. Doing good to those who belong to the family of believers. Something that's going to help them. It's going to be according to God's word. So bottom line, end, end of message. What is the mission of the church, according to all these scriptures? Plant seeds to please the Holy Spirit. As we go about our day, our week, our month, our year, to start planting seeds that are going to be pleasing to the Holy Spirit. Wherever we go, work, school, home, Walmart, Super One, ball game, whatever it is, we're just planting those seeds. Just wherever we go, in coming in contact with people, plant the seeds that please the Holy Spirit. And then we also want to make sure the mission of the church is we don't get weary. We're doing good. We're planting seeds, pleasing the Holy Spirit day by day, week by week, however it goes. We're just not going to get weary in doing good. We're going to hang in there, keep going. Why? Because we're waiting for the harvest. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. God said so. And so all those seeds we're planting like on Wednesday nights, with, uh, whether it's children or youth or adults, whoever it may be, there's going to be a harvest. It might not be next Wednesday. It might not click and say, oh, I got it all now. <laughs> it may be end of the year. It may be next year. Who knows? But it's simply that time 
that we're planting the seeds. So many times um, I've seen it happen with revivals. You know, we preach, preach and teach and, you know, people come and then we set up to have a revival. The evangelist comes in, stands up here one night and boy, the, the people just come forward and want to get saved. And we think, we've been here for years preaching and teaching. What did you say different than we've been saying for weeks? And now all of a sudden everybody comes down here to get saved. Harvest. Opportune time is that time. The seeds have been planted for days, weeks, months, and years. And tonight they came up. Or today they came up. And so it is with the church. We're waiting for the harvest. And in the meantime, as a wait, we're doing good to all people. We're just finding people wherever we go. We're just doing good, doing good, home, family, wherever it may be. And we make sure we do good to the church first. Called out ones. The assembly. The gathering. Me and you. This family. And then we wait for God to bring the harvest. Reba had written something actually July 11th, 2021, and shared it with me. I wanted to know if I could do this, say this. So she said, so Sunday I was in church and my Uncle Larry was preaching. I guess she's got an Uncle Larry somewhere she was hearing. And we were going over how powerful God is, and it clicked. When we pray to heal someone, God does heal them. He keeps his promise. If the person lives because he was healed, because he has healed them on earth, or if the person passes, he's healed them in death. Either way, healed them in earth or healed them as the past. Uh, I was so upset that God would take my Mimi, that's my mother, then take my grandpa, that was Sherry's daddy, within a year of each other, then a few years later take my papa, my daddy, and then take a few months later Bo's dad. And so all these things happen within just a short period of time. Well, then I started to go to church after I quit working at the shelter. But Sunday, July 4th, that would be 2021, it really clicked. Harvest. God keeps his promises. He always has, and he always will. Yes, he may have taken all my loved ones away from earth, but they still live on in heaven. I prayed so hard for all these loved ones to be healed, and then when God called them hurt home... I turned my back on him. I screamed at him. But now my eyes have been opened to the loving arms that God has because he did heal them, just not the way I wanted them to be healed. So when we pray for God, <clears throat> when we pray for God to heal our loved ones, we want them healed and live on by our sides on earth. But sometimes God says, it's time for me to call them home. Yes, it hurts to say goodbye to our loved ones, but just know that God healed them and they aren't in any more pain and they aren't suffering. I'm so thankful for my Uncle Larry, whoever that is, that she knows, is my preacher and that he always is there to answer my questions. I'm so thankful to have such a powerful God that answers my prayers. And so it's just, we hang in there, we keep going, we endure, we plant the seeds and we keep planting and we wait for God to bring the harvest. It's not in our time, it's in his time.